Hello and welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark, and today I'm talking with my good friend Rebecca Daling of PicardCast. What's up? How's it going? How's it going, Joe? <laughs> I thought your intro was longer. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so- at this oh my god it is so refreshing to see somebody else on this show fuck up the intro instead of me it's usually me getting something wrong <laughs> mess something up i'm your gal just call me i'll probably mess it up <laughs> that's my life <laughs> oh it's so good to talk to you it's been far too long since i've like heard your voice and, and not had it just be listening to a podcast <laughs> Uh, I know I miss talking to you too. You're one of my favorite people to talk to in the whole world. And I mean that because you're such an interesting person and um, yeah, we have a lot in common. So yeah, I love talking to you, my friend. <laughs> and I know you've been so busy lately. You got kind of the new gig going and I was listening to you talk a, a little bit about it on the Tales from the Yard reunion show, which was fantastic. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I was so glad I was free to join them. Uh, yeah, I'm still, I'm barely three months at my new job, but I feel like I've been there 10 years. So I don't know what that <laughs> says about the environment I'm working in. Um, yeah, it's just super busy and super fast paced. And there just seems to be a lot of curveballs coming my way. But um, yeah, like, uh, but you know, it's good. Obviously, I'm happy to have a job, happy to be working. It's a it's a good problem to have, I guess. Um, <laughs> right. After losing a job. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm dealing with it. I'm looking forward though to like the Christmas break and stuff and Thanksgiving coming up. So yeah, I'm looking forward to having a few days off coming up. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, um, I, I have the, the whole week of Thanksgiving off, so I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. I've got, I've got the Thursday, Friday off, which is great. And then the weekend and then, um, for Christmas, I actually have uh, so Christmas falls on a Sunday this year. So I have the Friday before Christmas and the Friday after and the Monday after Christmas off. So I have a four day weekend. <laughs> nice. So I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> uh, so how have the subways been? Oh, well, you know, they're <laughs> tonight they were extra terrible, which is why we're starting later than we said we would. So, uh, yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're packed, they're crowded, um, they're dirty again. So, so much for cleaning the subway at the end of the line that went out the window quite a while ago. And, uh, yeah, we've just had like a string of like really violent crimes on the subway lately, like people being mugged and people being like attacked and, slashed even i mean it's 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 terrifying it's like we're we're just trying to go to work like you're just you're not really doing anything dangerous you're just trying to get into your job and and then you have to like worry about your life it's it's ridiculous sometimes i come home like late at night um because i'm staying late at my job and like you know, I'll, I'll text my boyfriend like, Hey, I'm, I'm leaving the job now. And he's like, Oh my God, it's so late. You have to be careful. And, and like, you know, I'm, I'm always like vigilant and just paying attention, but like, you know, why should I have to be like it? It's not even that late. Like sometimes I'm coming home at eight o'clock at night, which is like a reasonable time. And it's not like I'm coming home at three in the morning. And, and it's like, I don't know. It's just very, it's very frustrating. It's very disheartening as a New Yorker to see my city like this. Yeah, I I had heard reports about some of the violence and stuff going on and that um, 
kind of like, 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 was it like the COVID stuff or kind of the aftermath of it that, that it, it really kind of took a downturn where like the, I think like the police were kind of just standing by and being like, yeah, we're not going to do shit about that. I it, mean, it's so co- hard to find out what's real and what's not, you know, you're just reading different reports. I mean, well, first of all, if you want to ask me about like what the cops in New York City do, I mean, like I, you might be asking the wrong person because I think all cops are absolutely trash. And I'm sorry for any cops that are listening to this, but fuck you. And that's how I feel. And uh, the cops in New York City during COVID stood around with no masks on and stared at their phones. So I, I don't really know what they did to protect anybody. Um, and now, you know, that now at certain subway stations, we have, um, we have police stations. And so like they've taken to starting to announce every time we come, we go through a police station, um, a subway station that has a a police station, they'll announce it like saying, oh, if you have any problems or any concerns, the police are at this station and, or they'll announce, oh, the, uh, the, the, the NYPD is on the platform. If you have any concerns and, and I don't know, it's just a joke to me because they don't do anything. They just stand around and stare at their phones all day. So, I mean, I don't know. Supposedly, they're there to keep the crime down. I don't. I couldn't tell you if it's working or not. I don't. I don't have like. I'm not like a statistics person, so I have no idea. But I, I don't. It's not like I feel any safer per se. But uh, how, how would you feel safer when the guard is staring at their phone? <laughs> exactly. Like I. I I don't know. And then there's such, uh, there's such like distrust of the police in general because of like, you know, they perform what are supposed to be wellness checks and end up shooting the person that lives there. Like they rape women in custody. They shoot unarmed black men. Like I don't really trust the police at all so i i I don't know i I don't feel any safer that's for sure and i i mean i'm sure some people probably do but uh i don't know anyway i i I don't want to offend every all of your listeners because a bunch of them (laughs) her her radical ideas (laughs) well no i think the police in this country have got a lot of cleaning up to do and the yeah. The 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 thin blue line subculture I think is some real bullshit. And if if there's somebody among your ranks that you know is a bad seed, you got to fucking oust them. This this rallying the wagons and and having police unions and stuff protect people that are bad apples is it makes the entire bunch look bad. And and so that that sort of cleanup isn't going to happen unless it comes from within. And when so much of that stuff is institutionalized over decades of <laughs> policy that's rooted in racist ideas and shit, it's it's really hard to change. And but for the most part, like what I tell my kids is like, if if cops come up and talk to you, like uh, comply. I was like, but if they answer ask you a question, I was like, be aware that it might not be all good answering their questions. Like never, oh, never. Yeah. Like whenever cops start asking you questions, the best policy is just shut the fuck up. Like even if a cop asks you how are you today, don't answer without a lawyer. Like just do not <laughs> answer questions without a lawyer present. I I I cannot stress that enough. Like don't don't do it. <laughs> well, isn't it wild that you know, like, because I, I remember growing up and watching like the Andy Griffith show. And it was like, those were like, you know, beloved police characters or like family matters in the nineties. Carl Winslow was, he was like, no, I'm confusing him with his character in Die Hard. That's fantastic. A cop on family matters. Was he? Okay. It's been so long since I watched it. 
Well, you know that there's like that conspiracy theory that says that he is the same guy <laughs> who then moved away and started a family or something. Like there's a whole like that's it's tremendous. Like that the Family Matters universe is interconnected with the Die Hard universe. <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> like there are people who believe it's the same character. Which, if that's true, that means that the that the Perfect Strangers universe is also connected to the Die Hard universe because that's where we met um, Harriet Winslow. She ran the uh, she ran the elevator at the building that, or she worked in the building that Balky and, and Larry worked at. Um, that's incredible so, <laughs> saying that perfect strangers and die hard are in the same universe so if you watch perfect strangers you've watched a christmas movie don't fight me on this <laughs> <laughs> speaking of christmas movies so yeah. so while i was uh waiting for for you to get home uh i was hanging out in the living room and uh Lindsay's got christmas music on while she's getting supper <laughs> Okay. And it's fucking it's, like it's, the third Michael Bublé Christmas song in a row. And I said to Lindsay, I'm oh like, this God. is too much Michael Bublé. <laughs> Bublé overload. I, <laughs> oh my gosh. He's, uh, <laughs> like, he's like one of those old school crooners. Like he has a really nice voice, but I feel like you reach a point where you're like, that's enough Bublé. That's enough. Like, I don't want to hear any more of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, just that style of singing, it, it doesn't do anything for me. I Like, I missed that. And, I mean, because I, you know, I can go back and listen to music that came out before I was born and, like, really appreciate it. But it's like that that crooner style, I've never been able to get into it. Where mm, I'm just like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> that, yeah. That's like the, the sort of music that, like, you, you like... I, I don't know. I just picture like a certain type of person that like really likes like, I'm going to listen to Frank Sinatra and I'm going to cheat on my wife with the secretary while I'm drinking a highball at the golf course. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch Mad Men and relive the glory days. Like, <laughs> yeah, like that sort of shit, you know? <laughs> I, I will say that I am a very big Frank Sinatra fan. Not of him, probably as a person, but I am a fan of his music and um Years ago, oh my gosh, this is a million years ago. I actually forgot about it till just this moment. I went to Radio City Music Hall. There was like a uh, there was like an anniversary concert um, for Frank Sinatra's music. I don't. It, it was must have been a big one. It was an anniversary of something with Frank Sinatra. And um, do you know who John Pizzarelli is? No. Uh, he's like a jazz type guy. Um, uh, and he he plays like in a and I think he has like a, a quartet or a trio and he's been around the music industry for like a bunch of years. His father was like a famous um, like jazz, I think, trumpet player. Um, and I, I was really into his music at the time. Like I really liked his his voice and his style. And he hosted like this this concert where they like they played Frank Sinatra clips like at Radio City, like on the big screen. And then like he was singing along and telling stories about Frank Sinatra. It was like a really, it makes me sound like I'm a really old lady that I went to this as a young person and I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I loved it so much. It was, um, it was like a really chill, like concert at, at like Radio City. It was, it was, it was a fun evening. No, that sounds really cool. And, and I would probably enjoy it in a setting like that. You know, because I mean, live performance is a live performance. Oh yeah, and oh wow, oh gosh. Speaking of Christmas music too, 
What what is your position on baby? It's cold outside. Okay. Uh, here's okay, here's the thing. Um, there is a line in it that is a little suspect about what's in this drink. It's a little suspect. Uh, I think um, it's hard for me to say because I think you could take that song in one of two ways. I think you could take it creepy. Or I think you could take it as two people who know each other really well, who are being playful and flirtatious with each other. So I, I don't like, I'm not like, you know, ready to make a sign and go march around the block about it. But like, I I don't know if you you take it like it's, I think it's creepy. Then I totally get that. But for me, I take it as this is a couple that's being flirtatious and playful with each other. Okay. That's my own personal opinion. I, I, and tell anybody else like how to feel about that song. <laughs> okay, now imagine it's being performed by children who are dressed like adults in the lobby of a hotel. I'm sorry, what now? <laughs> <laughs> children dressed like adults, like adults like wearing like like suit and tie adults. Like like the right? like the little boys in a tux, the the girl is in like some Ella Fitzgerald looking dress, the the bellhops <laughs> in the background are all children also. Everybody that you would expect to be an adult is actually a child, and they're performing Baby It's Cold Outside and dancing in the hotel lobby. More or less creepy. So, listen, I don't judge people's entertainment, but I'm judging you a little bit right now. If you went to that (laughs) and enjoyed it, I'm going to say that right now. Um, It auto-played on YouTube 20 minutes ago in my living room. I was like, what the fuck is this? You know what? I'm not a fan of um, what's what's that word um not infantilizing because then that's making something like childlike but when you take a child and like adult them up um i I don't know what that's called or like i guess some people would say like sexualize a child but I, i i don't care for when they take kids and be like oh look they're like little adults and they have children singing songs (laughs) <laughs> that are really should be meant for adults or in circumstances that should be for adults. I am never a fan of that. I think that that's gross. Personally. <laughs> Not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. I'm so glad that <laughs> I'm so glad the episode was delayed that I saw this. and I'm going to be able to ask Rebecca about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, Lots of other like problematic songs out there, like. But you shouldn't have children be singing songs that are clearly meant for adults. I am not a fan. <laughs> not a fan. Of that. No, 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 no. no, no. That's don't, why those like play. kids' bop albums are so fucking creepy. Because oh, like, it's like you're having like listening to like a kid singing like some like you know pop one hundred hit, and it's like sometimes, sometimes it's yeah okay that's cute, and other times it's like that's just wrong. Okay, when they decided for kids to recall, r- record WAP, then I think that that was the line. <laughs> and they crossed it. Did that it. really happen? Oh, I believe so. If, that, <laughs> if somebody knows differently, please, by all means, gently correct me. But I I believe that they took WAP and, and changed the lyrics to make it more child-appropriate. But I just feel like... <laughs> Why though? This is some wet ass paint, and they're just like <laughs> painting a park bench. <laughs> People are sitting on it, getting lines on their pants. Uh, I mean, it's like that song is like I personally love that song, and I love like the women who are singing it, and they're like embracing their sexuality. But that is a, 
song for eight year old Timmy to be singing a song to. <laughs> Jesus, Timmy, go home and like play with Legos. Don't sing that song. <laughs> I, I, uh, not a fan of that stuff at all. Ugh. Like I'm not a fan, like in that same sort of um, tangent, not a fan of like the child beauty pageant stuff. Oh, those are so I, creepy. Oh, very upsetting to me. And I, I, I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know. I just uh, not a fan. Uh, they, they put these little girls in like this, all this makeup, they make them look way older than they actually are. And that to me is just, I, I feel like it's very problematic. I, I just, when do they get to be children? When do they get to be innocent? I, I don't know. I can't, I, I'm not a fan of that either. No, every aspect of child pageants is abhorrent to me. And, and I think the creepiest part are the adults that like organize it all and make it ha- all happen. Because it isn't like it's kids that are getting all this shit put together. No, there's adults that are mm-hmm. organizing it. That are, you know, rounding up all these kids and pushing them to do it and all this stuff. And it, every part of it is just gross to me. Yeah. Nah, yeah. Like, do you know, and I'm sorry, if you want to go back to talking about Christmas music, we totally can. But this, <laughs> finally, I feel like I'm taking you off track. Like, maybe you had more to talk about Christmas music, which I'll talk about Christmas music. But <laughs> talking about, like, kids not being able to have a childhood. I just finished a book. Um... Do you know who Jeanette McCurdy is? Oh, did you read the 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 book that she wrote that's been really acclaimed right lately? I, I I'm it's called I'm Glad My Mom Died. And um Jeanette McCurdy is um an actress. Well, I think she's stepped away from being in front of the camera, but she was a child actor. She was on iCarly, she was on uh Cat and Sam, which I was too old for those shows. I knew they existed, but like I was not the target audience yeah, for the same. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't have kids, so it's not like I had kids watching it either. But um, I had I had heard she wrote this book, and I had been reading all of these rave reviews. So I got I downloaded the book and I read it, and oh my god, what a book! Uh, it's incredibly triggering. Like she talks about the abuse she suffered, like the emotional and mental abuse at the hands of her mother. Um, how she struggled with an eating disorder for like her entire adolescence, even into an adult, she still struggles with it. Um, and she's, she doesn't hold back. I mean, she's very, um, she's very honest and she is almost graphic about like what she was thinking in the moment. Like as she's like, as she's like, so I mean, trigger warning for anybody that doesn't want to hear about eating disorders, but um, like for when she was like binging and purging and when she was starving herself and how like she got down to like 98 pounds uh, as as an as a young adult, she was 98 pounds. Um, It it was a phenomenal read. Like it's painful to read, but oh, my God, I'm so glad I, I read it. It was so it was it was a great book but like talking about like all that child stuff like you know sexualizing children at a young age like it reminded me of that because she just like had no childhood and and she went into acting because her mother wanted to be an actress but she she never could and so she gets her daughter into acting very young and then 
she, you know, here she is supporting an entire family with her salary from iCarly. Like it was, it was wild. That's so it, fucked it, up it, when, when a parent fails to achieve their dreams and then they just push that onto their kid. And from a young age, they just indoctrinate their child into this is what you're going to do. You love doing this, right? You love doing this. Mm-hmm. It's like, ugh, yeah, that's. Yeah, it was so, oh gosh, but like it was such an absorbing, like it was the kind of book, like I wish I could have just sat down and read it in an afternoon, but then at the same time I would come to parts of the book and I would like have to put it down. Like I would just, I can't read any more of this right now. I'll come back to this later. Like it was just so emotionally draining to be on this, on this journey with her, um, you know, and now she's like doing more like writing and directing. And I think she really wants to get away from like being in front of the camera. So I, I hope she writes more books. I hope uh, I hope she gets to like write screenplays and direct like I, I she's so young still and she's so much you know time ahead of her. And like Hollywood is all she knows. And but, you know, she clearly has like a talent for writing because the book was just so like organic, like it, I felt like I was having a conversation with somebody and they were just telling me their life story. Like it was so, so well done. That's awesome. Yeah. I I've heard the book is really, really great. I, I didn't really know the particulars about it. Like I didn't, I didn't know the story behind why she titled it the way she did. And now hearing that it's like, Oh wow, that totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's an excellent book. Yeah. If you, if you have a chance to, to pick it up and you're like, I wonder if I should read this. I, I highly recommend it. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's See, I usually never read books like that, but I'm super intrigued. But also it's like hearing that it's so heavy, maybe I'll just empirically experience it through other people. <laughs> yeah, no, I I get that. No, believe me. I, after after I finished that book, I was like, I need to read something light, and I started reading the Bridgerton books, and I'm like, yeah, this is way more. This, <laughs> this is like a read about these you know, rich white people have problems back in the 19, back in the 1800s. Like this is a good palate cleanser. <laughs> <laughs> so is that what Bridgerton is? I've, I've, I don't know anything about it other than I've seen trailers and it looks like a period piece. It, it's like, it's a historical romance series. So, um, and it takes, uh, so it's, it's about like this family, right? The Bridgertons. And they're like the family of society and they have all these kids and it's, the mom is raising them. Well, her, she she was married. The father died. She's got all these kids. And, like, the books are about all of the children who are now mostly adults. And they're, like, their love stories, how they fall in love with other people. So it's, like, a very typical romance, right? These gorgeous people meet across a ballroom. And they see each other. And they're just, like, instantly, ooh. And then there's, like, that sexual attraction of, like, I want, I want you. But we can't. But I want you. But we can't. And then, like, they have to get married because her reputation is ruined. And then there's, like, lots of sex scenes and then happily ever after. It's that, you know? And <laughs> after what I read before that. So, yeah, like, I have a varied interest. So, yeah, I enjoyed both of those things for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> That's but awesome. Yeah, and they took, like, the series of books and they made it, they're making it in the there's already like two seasons out on Netflix. So like, if you're into like the steamy, you know, period piece, historical romance, like it's a fun escape show. I think it's a fun escape show and there's gorgeous looking people in it. Like what's not to love. And, um, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. 
uh, first season had lots of sex. Oh my god, they were like fucking every other scene. <laughs> to, the point, to the point that, like, I'm watching it. I was watching it at my boyfriend's place, and he he wasn't really watching it with me. He was like playing video games or something on the computer. But then he would like turn around to see what I'm watching, and like every time he turned around, there was a sex scene every single time. <laughs> What the fuck are you watching? Are you watching porn at my house? I'm like, no, it's called Richardson. And he's like, more like Fuckerton. And that's what he calls it now. <laughs> like, oh, you're watching Fuckerton? Are they fucking yet? I'm like, soon. They'll probably, yeah, here they go. They'll hear fucking now. <laughs> that's hilarious, Fuckerton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a weird genre mix too, because you you wouldn't think that like uh, like the prim and proper people. Hmm. It's like yeah, well they're still chasing, you know they're still getting it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's I, like the the one common thread in all of human history. Everybody's fucking all the time. Oh yeah, I think the appeal to it. To be honest with you, I think the appeal to it is like when we think of like the 1800s or the 1700s or whatever, and we think like people were very prim and proper, like the Victorian age and stuff. And like, you know, they were obsessed with not showing each other their bodies. Right. To the point that like, they would put like, they would put like skirts or like ruffles on a, on a table leg. Cause supposedly it was too suggestive to men to remind them of a woman's leg. Um, I'd heard that before. That's hilarious. I, I guess that's true. I mean, I <laughs> the table legs making me hot as fuck, man. <laughs> right? Oh my god, the table leg. Uh-oh. Cover it up, for God's sakes! <laughs> right, look at it. But I Before I pull my dick out, my pantaloons. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that the appeal to those kind of stories is like you take the sort of time period that like we associate with like very prim and proper, and people, you know, there were lots of like rules of society, and people you know, didn't do certain things because it would ruin reputations, blah, blah, blah. And then you throw in like this steamy romance of like, everybody's hot and heavy and they, they just, you know, they can't resist the pull. And I think that that's, I think that's the appeal to be honest. It's like to, to read a story like that for me anyway, that's the appeal. And then it's, it's just, it builds that sexual tension so that when the couple finally does like they give in and they, and they do the deed, it's such a release, like (laughs) such a release for them. Sure. But like for you as the reader, like it's, it's release all that sexual tension that they've built up. And then, uh, and you know how it's going to end. You know they're going to get married. You know they're going to be happily ever after. They'll never have any problems in their life. But, I mean, that's, you know, that's it's a fantasy. VD just running rampant because penicillin hasn't been invented yet. Probably. That's why was dying at 32. Because- <laughs> <laughs> well, I had heard that that was like the origin of the powdered wig was because it was like some royal dudes that I think might have been in France – that mm-hmm. like they had, I think it was syphilis, and it was at an advanced state enough stage to where they were going bald, and so they <laughs> fucking had these stupid powdered wigs made. But since they oh, were high yeah. society people, that other people started adopting it as well. Sure, I mean that's how all things start, right? I mean somebody way up starts something, and then everybody else starts doing it too. So yeah, <laughs> I, I don't doubt it. I listen. I think a lot of things you could trace back the origin to sex. So. <laughs> it's, it's it's a basic human need. It's a basic human function. Everybody does it, and then people are scared to talk about it. But like, everybody's fucked at some point. Like, <laughs> <laughs> 
most well, most people. <laughs> it's, it's the ones that get deep into adulthood that don't, where it's like, really? Huh. It, it's a little worrisome, sure. Like, you know, then you get into your incel territory, and then it's like, oh boy. Yeah, you know? incels or, or what happened in the Catholic Church. It's like, you gotta have a, there's gotta be a way to channel that. That is a very good point, Joe. I didn't even think about that, but that is a hundred, but that's what happens. You see, that's what happens when you try to deny a basic human need. That's what happens. You get all kinds of people, you get people doing terrible shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. Use for bad behavior. Never. But like, you see like the ramifications when society or a society or some kind of a governing body tries to impose that on people. Like it just doesn't go well ever. (laughs) Yeah. It's almost a, it's almost like it's, it's one of those arguments for why it, it would be like in the pro category. If you were like trying to figure out to make prostitution legal, because it's like, well, then these people who would otherwise not have any fucking chance at all unless they're paying for it now have an opportunity. But then it's like, well, now you got to make sure that the people who are actually working in those brothels brothels are doing it voluntarily and not because they're fucking, you know, human trafficked or something horrific like that. Weird which, stuff. Which, I, I, I think sex work should 100% be legal everywhere. It's an it's an honest job and I'm not even being, I'm not even joking about that. Like it is an honest job. You are providing a service and if somebody wants to pay for that service and everybody is a willing participant and everybody's on the same page about what is to be given and what is to be accepted, I, I don't see why you wouldn't pay for that. It's no different. You know, people are like, oh, you're selling your body. What do you think you're doing work every day motherfucker you're selling your body too you're selling your time there you otherwise you just you'd be a slave if nobody paid you for your job (laughs) you're just getting fucked in a different metaphorical way i'm kind of fucking like i i i mean i'm serious why it should be legal everywhere and and it and and the people who participate should have like health benefits and yeah, it should be regulated. They should be taken care of. And yeah, I I, I totally agree. I, I don't see why you wouldn't want to do that. I, I, but, you know, there's so many. Th- this country is so ridiculous. Like, it's got so many, like, puritanical holdovers from uh, the pilgrims and whatever. <laughs> oh, for sure. Like, you know, for as, like, as liberal as, like, we like to think that we are. Uh, in this country or open-minded, I think there's a lot of things that we are just not open-minded about. No, look at how uncomfortable a subset of the population gets just if they see a woman breastfeeding in public. And that's not even remotely sexual, but there's like such puritanical values that are ingrained in so many people's skulls that they see a tit and they're like, Oh, it's, it's only sexual. And it's like, no, there's a lot more to it than that. But you think it's only sexual because, number one, it's ma- it's been made taboo. And number two, it's used in so many different forms of fucking advertising. So, like, on the one hand, America's deathly afraid of seeing Janet Jackson's exposed breasts during the Super Bowl. But on the other hand, they're going to use it to sell everything from fucking tires to hamburgers. Yeah, absolutely. Like, to me, it it's... 
but it just speaks, I think, to the bigger topic of of the sexualization of women and the looking at women as nothing but objects. And so, like, okay, breasts are designed to feed a child, right? Like every mammal has some kind of a breast or mammary situation happening, right? You feed your child. Humans are no different. That's what breasts do. They produce milk. You feed your child with it. Um, yes, they are fun for other things too, but that is not what they were, I guess you could say designed to do. So <laughs> a squeezy bouncy I, good time. Uh, yeah. I I I <laughs> sorry everyone um but like so it's fine to to just to look at a breast and just say oh that ha- has to be sexual because i think it's sexual and it's like well no she's using her body to do what it's supposed to do so why don't you just let her feed her child in or feed their child in peace like and and maybe you know if you don't like it then don't look there's other things to look at in this world there's an exposed boob over there i can't not look at it i'll clearly have to say something (laughs) (laughs) i don't know it's just too much it's just i mean we've we've come so far i think it's exciting in some ways and other ways i just i look at us and i'm just like oh my god Oh my God! How are we even still functioning? <laughs> oh yeah, it's hilarious. It's ridiculous. At this point, like if the if the Earth exploded tomorrow, I'd be like, yeah, that's good. We've had enough time on this planet. <laughs> We've done enough damage. It's time for us to go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They've already been talking about Phase Five and Six in the MCU. I kind of really want to see how that's going to pan out. So, all right. So, you know what? I take it back. Let's not <laughs> let's wait until the MCU finishes and then. Again, I, you know what? Okay, I take it all back because I need to see X Men versus Avengers on the big screen. And then when that happens, then the meteor can hit because then I will be a happy person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, Have you yeah. been keeping up with phase four? Um. Gosh, yes and no. I, I've been. I'm so behind on a lot of things. Like I watched all of She-Hulk and I loved it. (laughs) Yeah, that was such a great, refreshing series. Loved She-Hulk so much. I thought it was such a romp. I I just loved it. Um, And I just, I don't know, put Tatiana Maslany in all the things. Like she's just so talented and I, I love her. Um, I have, I, I know Black Panther just came out. I haven't seen Black Panther yet. I haven't seen Wakanda forever yet. Um, and I'm trying desperately to avoid all spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I loved I, it. I, I, th- I thought it was it. really fantastic. Oh, I, know. I can't wait to see it. I, I'm very excited to see it. I know I'm going to be emotional with, with Chadwick gone, but like, uh, and then I, I didn't watch Moon Knight. I watched like one or two episodes and then I always meant to go back to it and then I forgot about it. And then... Uh, yeah, I, I've, I'm, I'm slacking. I, I just, uh, just been like super busy and hard to catch up. And then I get into that thing where like, because I'm like, I feel like I don't have like the energy to devote to a new thing. I want to watch old things and I know how it all works out. So I've been doing that. Like I went back, I'm doing a rewatch of the show ER. Like, oh, nice. 
I, I watched that show when it aired live. Like I watched it week to week. And now it's all on uh, HBO Max. So I've been watching that lately. Um, yeah, but I, I just, yeah, I have to get back into watching new stuff because there's a lot of new stuff out there that I haven't seen yet. <laughs> yeah, I've been hurriedly trying to catch up with stuff um, uh, before the end of the year, uh, trying to watch stuff that I know came out this year in in preparation of the, the tuppies on PCL. Sure. And, yeah. and so I... I finished uh, Harley Quinn season three earlier oh, this week. Have you watched any of that that show on HBO I, Max? I watched all of season one, and I loved it. I thought it was so funny. It, it and continues then, to be excellent. Oh, okay. I I had no doubt because I just I love the um, I love the direction that they took that character in. Like, just I loved how they made her and um. When they brought out, like, Kite Man in season one, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. Hell yeah. I mean, that was that was just great. <laughs> yeah, Kite Man was an amazing, amazing character. <laughs> no, I loved Kite Man. I have to go back and I, I got to rewatch season one and then, like, watch two and three. Um, yeah, there's so much I haven't watched. I, ne- I never went back to, like, Titans. I never went back to... Um, How far did you get in Titans? I think I watched up to season two. Probably just leave it there. Oh, okay. Well, I, that, I feel that, like each successive season has been worse. Oh God, that's that's sad. And and it's like season four has dropped, and I'm just like, do I care? Like I like hate watched the last three episodes of season three. Oh, I hate. Oh gosh, I hate that. That's the worst. Oh. <laughs> Like, I was, like, almost complaining about it, and Lindsay's like, are we going to finish Titans? And I'm like, I fucking guess. <laughs> like, so, so over this, it started, season three started so good, and they just lost me along the way. I was like, I, I don't, I don't think I fucking care anymore. I, I kind of felt the way about Doom Patrol. Like, I watched the first season of Doom Patrol, and I was like, oh my god, the show is so wild. I fucking love it. It's so neat. And then I watched part of season two, and season two was like so like it had episodes that were like so gross. Like they were just like they did gross stuff with like there was one with like like a hairball or something or a rat. And <laughs> I was just like, Ugh, I don't want to watch this anymore. Like it just and and I love Brendan Fraser. Like I'll watch anything that has Brendan Fraser, even just his voice in it. And I was just like, I can't, I can't watch this. This is grossing me out. I can't watch it. I don't think I made it all the way through season one of Doom Patrol. I, I made it quite a ways, but I don't think I finished it. Or maybe I did, and I fell off during season two. It's it's. I mean, it that show's not for everybody. It's definitely. One of those shows, I think you either like love it or hate it. Um, it's very odd. It's very weird. Um, it's with weird characters, and I I feel like it's easy to look to, like watch a few episodes and be like, this is not for me. I, I don't like this at all. Or, or watch a few episodes and be like, oh my god, this is so weird, and I love every second of it. It's like one of those things. It's like Napoleon Dynamite, the movie, right? You either love it or think it's the dumbest movie on the planet. There is no <laughs> of like, yeah, this is okay. No, there is no, you either love it or you hate that movie. You either get it or you don't. And yeah, it's it's like that. I shut off Napoleon Dynamite like halfway through it. 
I get it. Well, I, well, I was I, like, this isn't for me. I, I can't keep looking at this fucking doofus. I get, I get it. I could watch, I could hang up on you right now and watch Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> and not feel guilty. I love that movie. I love every second of that movie. But I get it. I get why you don't like it. Do so you see? It's one of those movies. It's one of those things. <laughs> Well, it was also one of those things where I was late to the party on it. And so everybody that was telling me about it was like, it's so like everybody like just pumped it up so big. I hyped it up too much for you. Yeah. To where when I finally watched it, I was like, this is what people are fucking jizzing their pants about. Like, I don't get it. (laughs) I know. Now, that being said, the scene where he does like the dance thing up on the stage, that that's pretty fucking funny. I, I did enjoy that part. And I don't even know if I actually made it that far in the movie or if I've only seen it on YouTube, it's been so long. That's almost the end of the movie. Then so I've only seen it on YouTube for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and believe me, I, I get it. I, I showed that movie to my best friend years ago when it first came out. And I was like, listen, I'm like, this is a really like weird oddball movie. I don't know if you're going to like it. I think it's hilarious. You watch it and see what you think. She watched it. And then she looked at me and she was like, how dare you make me watch this? (laughs) But then weirdly, like a week later, because she couldn't stop thinking about the movie, she went back and she watched it again. And then she was like laughing in part. And then she went and watched it again. And do you know now that she loves that movie? That's hilarious. <laughs> thinking about it, and and she like grew to love it. It was it was very fun. Now we both love the movie, but like I could absolutely see why somebody would be like, "No, this is the what, what? What is this? This is not for me." I just every scene though, everything that happened when you meet La Fonda, the wedding at the very end with with uh oh my god when. The, the dance scene when you meet Pedro, he shaves his head. I mean, Deb with her side ponytail, iconic. Like, I just, I don't know. That, that movie spoke to me on some level, I guess, because I just, I thought it was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> I mean, he was like feeding leftovers to a llama or something like that. I was like, what the fuck is this? This is so yeah. weird. Your hand, you fat cow. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Rico reliving his glory days of footballing in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I did enjoy the scene where the the nerdy older brother is trying to sell the Tupperware, and he's going to drive on it with the van to show how strong it is, and it smashes, and then he just guns it. I thought that was fucking hilarious. Just, oh my god! I just <laughs> I don't know. I mean, and the way Napoleon just talks, like I don't know. John Heater is just so funny, and then talking about like. You know, what did you do over the summer break? I hunted wolves in Alaska with my uncle. Gosh! Like, what? <laughs> what? No one believed you did that! Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I fucking love that movie. It's just so funny. <laughs> oh, no. I have a weird sense of humor, though. I definitely do. So it probably well, explains it, a lot. Because there's definitely some movies that are, you know, like weird movies that absolutely work for me. Like, I love Psycho Gorman. And that's certainly a weird fucking movie that's not Dang. for everybody. Oh, my gosh. That movie, though, I um, – God, I love that movie. It's right up there with Velocipaster. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Psycho Gorman, uh, Velocipaster, and um, Kung Fury. I, I fucking love all oh. those movies. They're all so funny. 
hilarious hilarious and it's so funny because sometimes i'll go on the internet and like randomly somebody will post something about velocipaster and be like this was the dumbest movie i've ever seen in my entire life and i will comment on every single one of those posts you have no idea what you're talking about this is the funniest movie on the planet this <laughs> defending Velocipaster like it's my film and I'm just like oh my god that movie I don't know that movie just slayed me <laughs> yeah but Psycho Gorman Psycho Gorman I dropped real money to get the Hunky Boys special edition yeah same the <laughs> I remember reviewing it on, on PCL with, with Brian and as we were talking he was talking about the Hunky Boys special i literally ordered it while we were podcasting because i'm like no i have to have this you don't under i have to have this <laughs> that was it my experience listening to the episode i was like oh. what <laughs> i immediately backed the kickstarter for it paul <laughs> oh, i read that they're trying to do a psycho gorman board game i don't know if it ever came about i have to go back to the kickstarter page but if they made a psycho gorman board game oh i'm buying it oh that'd be great <laughs> play it they have to play it <laughs> one of my favorites was somebody in the leftover army posted on the facebook page and they're like i watched psycho gorman i didn't like it i feel like i was lied to <laughs> i laughed so fucking hard i was like oh it wasn't for you buddy i'm sorry <laughs> but it's true like i i get it like i in that same vein like I love mystery science theater and i love riff tracks and i love all that stuff but then there are plenty of people that are just like it's not for them right so they're like why are they talking over the movie that's kind of annoying like i mean those people clearly have no sense of humor and why would you hang out with them but that's just my own personal opinion <laughs> but <laughs> like, um i i can't it's not for everybody not everything is for everybody and there are plenty of people in this world that love the movie fifth element i hate that movie hate it <laughs> with a burning passion the fifth element is love. Get the fuck out of here with that. I <laughs> when I was younger, oh my God, I'm surprised I didn't wear out my VHS tape. Like, I love that movie. I'm, granted, I now me saying that, I haven't watched that movie in probably 15 years. Like, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I would be interested for you to watch it now and see if it holds up for you. I'm just curious. Like, I, I, I don't expect you to make like a, a 180 and be like, oh, why did I ever like that movie? If you still love it, I'm happy for you. Like, but I'm curious because like sometimes you watch stuff when you're younger and you're like, this is so great. And then you watch later and you're like, this is terrible. Why did I ever like this? And But The Fifth Element was just never something that spoke to me. I, I just... Who's that guy in it? The guy he was—he did those Jackie Chan movies too. Chris Tucker. Um, Chris Tucker. I he played Ruby to... Rod. Did not like his character. Uh, I'm guessing. No. Nope. <laughs> every line in that high. Oh my god! I wanted to kill him. I just—I <laughs> couldn't take it. I could not take it. Mila and and Mila jo Jovovich, like. God bless her. I'm sure she's a nice person, but who the fuck keeps giving her work in Hollywood? Like, I don't, I don't think she's a very good actor. Like, she, she's so, I, I don't know. I just, I, people are gonna, people already hate me for my cop statement, and now they're gonna hate me more for my Fifth Element stance. <laughs> but I'm sorry, I didn't care for the Fifth Element. I didn't like it. No, I've heard that opinion from from several people that you know that that movie's just not for them. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I liked it when I was younger. I'd imagine even if I rewatch it, I'd, <laughs> I'd 
probably still like it. Um, even oh. even after hearing Kevin Smith talk about what a dick Bruce Willis was to work with. Oh yeah, I've heard that he's he was not he's not a nice person. Uh, yeah, I've heard the same. <laughs> he's yeah. Not a- He's not well, a nice guy. Maybe he's got some perspective now, but who knows? Yeah, like with his illness, like maybe he's who knows? Like it, it, illness can change people, right? Like people who people who get like a life changing or life altering diagnosis, like sometimes it can really change them, and they they have a different perspective on life, and then they become like a a a, a better person or or a different person. Yeah, I mean, God, you can you you can at least hope that at some point in people's lives they would evolve enough to realize that. Um, like I, I remember, I used to work with this guy that was like a real fucking psycho that you'd always have to walk on eggshells around, and then went for oh like a few years without really seeing him at all. And I knew he moved on, was doing other stuff, and then the other day I ran into him. And he seemed a lot happier. And one of the first things he said was, oh, yeah, I'm so much happier. I've been kind of going to therapy, getting myself worked out. And, and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, fucking good for you, dude. You fucking, you needed it. <laughs> you yeah. had some serious fucking anger issues that you were pushing <laughs> off on everybody else around you. And it was fucking nightmarish to be around. Yeah. No, I listen, I, uh, I'm i a big fan of therapy. I think therapy, um, I think therapy can help can help most things that people are going through. Like it's just so there's just something so like freeing to be able to tell a strange, not a stranger, because if you see them like every week, they're not really a stranger, but like somebody who's not in your everyday life, like you can tell them about your problems. You can tell them about how you feel. Like you can tell them things that you could never tell people that know you. Like you could never like tell your siblings certain things or your parents certain th- like h- how can you go to your parent and be like yeah listen i think you you know you exposed me to a lot of childhood trauma because you didn't know what you were doing and now i'm all fucked up in the head like it's like oh okay well i did the best i could like like what are they going to say to that right like i did the best i could like i was a new parent i didn't know anything but like to go to a person that doesn't know you and you can tell them all these things that like your your parents did or said to you and then they can help you put it in perspective. There's something very freeing about that. You could just, you know, hopefully start to heal from the trauma of, of, of childhood things that were like said to you or done to you. Like, and I, I don't mean to minimize anybody's like trauma if they like suffered abuse or like terrible things at the hand of like parents or, or, or adults. But like, um, you know, sometimes it's just like the everyday, your parents didn't know what the fuck they were doing because they, you know, they were kids themselves and had, a, and they had a kid, they didn't know what to do. And so they, they fucked you up and then they did better with the next one, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. And like, I, you know, and being a parent, like I, I totally get that, that, mm-hmm. you know, they just, the baby's born and they just let you take it home from the hospital. They don't give you a book or anything. It's just day, hey, you're going to take this little thing home and you're going to figure it out. <laughs> try, try not to step I, on it. Be sure and feed it. <laughs> I can't even imagine like I think I'm barely a functioning adult like to have have a a small helpless little being that I have to take care of and like teach to be a good person and teach them to not be a dick like oh my god the pressure like I can't even imagine oh that's the whenever I see my children doing empathetic things I'm always like yes we won 
we did it. We did it correctly. They're being a good person right now for no other reason than that is their basic programming. Yeah. Success. So rewarding, like to see or hear your child do something that you're like so proud of them, like for just being a good person, like, Cause it's like, you can, you can love somebody, right? Like you can love your family because they're your family and you, and and you love them, but it doesn't mean you always like them as a person, right? Like you, you, if you met them and as a stranger, you'd be like, I wouldn't hang out with that person. (laughs) I don't like them at all. But like to see your kids be people that you like, that you're like, I would spend time with this person. Like that's gotta be so rewarding. Oh, it is. <laughs> it absolutely is. Like I, I love going and doing things with Aiden. Like, um, like he's my buddy that always goes to movies with me. When when we went and saw Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, he like he's basically said he wants to go and see every single MCU movie on opening night when I go. And and so okay. I've been taking him to all of those with me. And um, oh, we went to that last Rift Tracks event for the Return of Swamp Thing. Oh my God. (laughs) This is the first time. I mean, like him and I had watched mystery science theater and, and stuff like that. And so he kind of had an idea what we were going to, but he'd never seen like a riff tracks, let alone done one in the theater. And Uh I'd only seen them on YouTube. I'd never actually gone and seen one in the theater. So I was excited too. And man, the place was packed. And so there was all this great energy in the room. So many laughs. And that was a great one, man. It was some, that that dentistry one at the beginning, I forget what it was called, but it was so fucking weird. <laughs> I love the shorts. I'm a big fan of the shorts that they do. <laughs> um, so to, if you have um, if you have Pluto TV, which is like I think it's a free app. If you have Pluto TV, they have a Mystery Science Theater channel and a Riff Tracks channel. What? That's incredible. Yeah. I have to get that app. <clears throat> So, you know, it's live. So you just, you, you know, when you turn it on, you just, you jump into whatever is playing. Um, so on the riff tracks one, so you, you will see, you will see a lot of repeats, um, uh, because they kind of just play them over and over again. But like, if you're like me and you don't really mind that you find it comforting because, you know, these are like some of your favorite jokes or whatever, then I, I, that's perfect. Right. But like on the, on the riff tracks channel, there's, there's, um, several live events that they'll, that they'll show from time to time. So one of them was like from several years ago now, um, it was like San Francisco sketch fest, I think it was. And they basically, it was the riff tracks guys and every they and they, they riffed a bunch of shorts and for every short that they riffed, they had a new guest come on. Um, and it was like people you would recognize like, 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 um, uh, comedians and stuff. And they would like riff it live with them. And Oh my gosh so funny because some, some of these shorts i i can't believe they even made these things they are just my 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 current favorite one that i watch on youtube a lot is the riff tracks um short shake hands with danger oh my god it's like a safety film for like construction site <laughs> excellent <laughs> it's hilarious. it is so funny i think mystery science theater may have done it too but the Rift Tracks one is the one I watch often. Oh my god, hilarious! <laughs> Dude, some of those videos like that are hilariously bad. Um, <laughs> I, I remember when when I was uh, going to school uh, for graphic design, I worked at a convenience store briefly, and they had me watch this video that 
I, I shit you not, like the main character that was like playing the cashier that was like going through all the different scenarios, he uh-huh. was wearing this like faded Mickey Mouse t-shirt. He looked like an extra from the Outsiders that then got <laughs> cast in this. Like he was wearing this Mickey Mouse shirt. He was like a young black dude. He had this big, huge afro, like a, a, a small mustache. He looked like straight out of the 70s. Um, that is great. It was awesome. Guy had great style. And but I just remember watching the video being like, "What the fuck is this?" And he was like dealing with a customer that came in that was really drunk and abusive, and then dealing with another person that came in and was robbing him at gunpoint. And it was like demonstrating all the different scenarios and what you're supposed to do as the cashier and the the you know employee of Hawkeye Oil. <laughs> Gosh, I can't. It's just so funny. Like you watch some of these shorts. And and then, like, if you go, like, to the Mystery Science Theater ones, too, they did a lot of, like, the really old ones, like, from the 50s. Like, so they're, like, in, in black and white. And they cover topics like, like, basic hygiene and how to treat your family and um, – <laughs> How to treat your family. Holy shit. Okay. So there's one that's called A Date with Your Family. And – um. Of course, there's lots of jokes about like dating people within your family, which is hilarious in there. But it's like this <laughs> like very nuclear 1950s family, mom and dad, and they have uh, three kids, a girl and two boys. And, you know, it's very, it's very like gender role enforcing, you know, where it's like father comes home from work now. He would like to relax while mother and daughter fix the dinner in the kitchen. And, and it's, it's that, it's that kind of thing. And it's like teaching you how to like have a nice family dinner. Like, you know, the family dinner table is not the place to bring up unpleasant topics. You should only talk about pleasant things. And I'm just like, Oh my God. No wonder everybody was repressed in the fifties. Like, <laughs> don't talk about unpleasant things. Uh, you're, you're like a white middle-class family. What do you have? that's unpleasant in your life. Calm down. <laughs> like, Let's see this. They made with like by people who were like on the fringe or who were minorities who were not being treated great by society. I think there'd be a lot of unpleasant things to talk about at the dinner table. (laughs) No shit. Oh my god. Yeah. (laughs) It's just it's so stuff like that that I'm just like because it's and and they they were made so seriously, right? Of like teaching people how to be like good members of society, and then like to have people just making fun of it. It's just oh, it's just great. It's just, it's everything I love, right? Making fun of society. Like, I just, I love that stuff. <laughs> I'm going to have to look that up on Pluto TV. That sounds amazing. That yeah. uh, Return of Swamp Thing one was so funny. I, I, I'm i pretty sure I had seen that movie when I was a kid. But... I, I too, yes. <laughs> <laughs> just that portrayal of Swamp Thing, too. Every time he smiles and gives a thumbs up, it's like, what is this? <laughs> Oh my god! Well, I I remember the first Swamp Thing movie, um, and I I saw it when I was very young, and you know at the end, um, Louis Jardin's character when he like turns into like the monster at the end, I mean it's it's terrible costuming. It was cheap costuming, but I was I was young. And it scared the bejesus out of me. I was so scared of it because I was like, oh, my God, he became like a scary monster. And then and then I remember so watching the second one years later and like his character pops up like normal, 
because in the first movie, I think his character died, and then he's just suddenly back somehow. Like, I'm like, is this where you got the idea for the last Star Wars movie? Somehow Palpatine has returned. Like, <laughs> this guy just showed up again alive and normal looking. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, speaking of Star Wars, have you caught any of Andor yet? Oh, God, I'm behind on that, too. I haven't even started it yet. Um, I've heard very mixed reviews, but I'm still going to watch it because I, I, I've heard people say they love it. People say that they hate it. But I mean, I don't know. That's like the typical Star Wars fan reaction. <laughs> like 50% yeah, right. of the fandom loves it. 50% thinks it's the worst thing they've ever seen. So like, ah, until the next thing comes around and then they hate that too. So I, I, I'm going to watch it because, you know, I still enjoy Star Wars. And I, I, what, one of the best parts of Rogue One for me was that character of, of, of Cassian Andor and the actor who portrays him. I, I just, um, it's, it's, um, is it, uh, Gabriel Luna? Is that his name? Uh, is it Diego? I think it's Diego Luna. Diego Luna. I think I'm confusing him with another actor. Yeah. Like I just, um, I, I remember watching him, but long before Rogue One, I had seen him in 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 a Spanish speaking movie called Itumama Tambien, which is a very very NC seventeen movie, maybe even X rated movie. Um, but it's it's a foreign film, so like it's different ratings, I guess, than like what we do here in America. But like I had seen him in that ages ago, and he was amazing in that. Um, so to see him like in, in in this role now, and then I love that he he kept his accent. Like I just thought that was great too. And then, um, so yeah, I thought he was great in Rogue One. So then when they, you know, the the series, I I've been excited to watch it. I've just I just haven't had a chance to start it yet. Um, but I do want to watch it. I I am going to watch Andor. Yeah. Did you like like the the serious gritty tone of Rogue One? I did. Um, I did not like um, the actress who plays Jin Erso. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, F- Felicity Jones. I'm terrible yeah. on. Today. Yeah, Felicity um, Jones. Yeah I, yeah, I thought she had a pretty wooden performance, and I, I've said before in the past that she's potentially the most unlikable lead in any Star Wars movie, and I, oh, I still stand yeah. by that. I think that were also too. Like, I mean, to, I'll be honest. Like, I when I heard they were making it, I'm like. Well, everybody dies in the end, right? Because it's Rogue One. Like, like I didn't expect any characters to live at the end of that movie, and I nobody lived at the end of that movie. So I like that to me felt I want to say like pre- predictable in that sense, but like, like I loved I loved Donnie Yen, obviously. Oh, he was that, incredible. What? What? Why didn't they give us a series with him and his buddy? Like. Where, yeah, with Cheer at Emway and Baze Malba. That'd be incredible. Where is that series? I want that series. I, I want to see them have adventures. I want to see Donnie Yen kicking ass with Dick. Like, I, I, uh, why did they make that show? But um, I love that. Um, I, I did enjoy, like, I enjoyed some of Rogue One. But like the, the standouts to me were like the individual performances in the film. Um, of course, like the scene at the end with Darth Vader, like that's super cool. Like, you know, you really get to see Darth Vader like going ham on people, which you really. <laughs> yeah, that hallway seems incredible. Oh, it's it's super. It's great. But like, I don't know. Every time I watch Rogue One, I like it a little less. And 
Um, oh, really? A little less? I know. I, I think that's a, I am in the minority on that. There are lots of people who put it way up high on their list of like Star Wars films. Um, and I, I, I thought it was like, okay, the first time I watched it. But like, when I do watch it, I, I think I just, you know, and I'm sorry, like, I love Forrest Whitaker, but I, I found his accent, not his accent, but like his, his <laughs> what will you do? Like, I just, Borgullet knows. <laughs> Why are you talking like that? The whole thing the, the breather thing, and I just, it just sounded funny. I, <laughs> it is funny. <laughs> Like, why are you talking like that? You sound ridiculous. And then Jen Erso is terrible. And, and, um, like, I loved, I, I see what, what I loved about the movie was like, here you have Cassian Andor, right? Who's been fighting for the rebellion. And I, I, what I did like about Rogue One was that they did show, like, to a degree, excuse me, that, like, the rebels had to do things that, like, aren't quote unquote good guy stuff, but it was in the pursuit of, like, a greater good in yes. a greater goal of toppling a fascist empire. And right. That so, is like the main theme going on in Andor, in my opinion. Uh, and that's what I've heard. And and I'll be totally honest with you. Like I've heard that there's like no Jedi and stuff in it. And, and I'm actually really excited about that because um, I know this is probably blasphemy to most star Wars fans, but I just feel like how many times are we going to get a star Wars show and I mean, okay, you can't count Obi Wan because that clearly is tied to the Skywalkers. But like, you know, you, you get a show like The Mandalorian, and I loved The Mandalorian, right? I loved everything about it. And then I'll be honest, they bring in Luke Skywalker at the end of the first season, and I get it. Everybody fucking loves Luke Skywalker, but I was just like, do we have to tie everything to a Skywalker? Like, where? Why is, is the, are the Skywalkers just like, there's five families in this whole galaxy and the Skywalkers are one of them? Like, what, can we get something that doesn't have Jedi in it? Can we expand on the Star Wars universe to see other things? And I know that that's like, I'm sure that that's Star Wars blasphemy, but I just, I want to see more than just Skywalkers and Jedi. I want, those are cool, yeah, but I want more than that. I want to see other things too, and I feel like we just don't really ever get to get that in in Star Wars shows. And uh, and I'll I'll be totally honest; it's one of the reasons why I like Star Trek more is because you know every week they go to a different planet, they meet a new species, and there's whole you know there's all kinds of interesting things happening. It's not like every planet has like somebody related to James Kirk on it, or they have to tie everything back. <laughs> Although he had no sex, there probably could be, but like, I was just going to say, how many bastards has he left around the galaxy? A lot, a lot, but like, they don't tie everything back to him. Yes, sometimes <laughs> they do, but like not everything has to tie back to the original series. And it doesn't. And, and, I don't know. I just feel like in Star Wars, everything has to get tied back to, oh, but yeah, this was a really great story, but here's how it relates to the Skywalkers. And I'm like, I don't know what the Skywalkers are doing right now. I want to see what this guy's doing. And I don't know. I I, I know that that's a, uh, my opinion's in the minority. And, and, um, no, I so think that's valid because Star Wars is a, is a huge IP and there is so much more to tell than just the story of Skywalkers. And, 
And yeah, uh, Andor's doing a very good job of just painting this very dystopian society because it's like it starts at five five years before the Battle of Yavin. So the Empire's been in control for I think like ten years. Okay, and it's just the the dystopian nature of what's going on right now and just how brutal and uncaring the empire is in the way that it treats people and the way that these characters are dealing with it in the, the beginnings of the rebellion and oh my gosh, uh, Stellan Skarsgård gives in episode nine, there are two of the best monologues that are in any star Wars. And the fact that they're both in the same episode of Andor is fucking mind blowing. And that's, it's yeah. I, I mean, since you haven't seen, it, I, I I'm not even going to tell you the nature of any of these things, just because I want you to experience it organically. And it's so fucking good, though. And the, the way this series has been going, it's it's kind of like these three episode mini arcs. That it's like it builds up to something big that happens on episode three, and then it builds up to something big that happens on episode six, like and then that. it like it builds up and goes right through episode nine and then into episode ten. So that one was almost like a four episode arc. For that mm. one, and oh my, I, I I can't wait for tomorrow <laughs> to to see what we're gonna get next, oh, and God. and then next week will be the season finale, and it's gonna be like, oh shit, it, but then there's gonna be like a I think like a four year time jump to season two, which will be pretty wild. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, neat. Yeah, yeah. I I think like like with Thanksgiving coming up and having like time off, and I I, I see myself like just kind of planted in front of the tv and just binging a lot of stuff <laughs> yeah um, yeah i just um <clears throat> that and i have to finish like the lord of the Rings series i have to finish the house of the dragon series um oh yeah well i still have to finish house there's two episodes to go there's two episodes to go and me and Lindsay just totally both lost interest in it oh uh, we both like who even fucking cares uh, <laughs> but i know other people are like absolutely loving the series and so i'm like i don't know why it didn't click with me yeah, I I was all in. I was watching it every week, and then um, and then I started to, and then I decided to watch The Sopranos for the first time. Oh, and nice! <laughs> I'd never seen it before. My my boyfriend was doing a rewatch, and he was like, "I was like, oh, I've never seen it." And he was like, "Do you want to watch it with me?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." So I watched it with him, and I got wrapped up in it. I just I wanted to finish it, and um, but now. Like sad, I devoted all that time to the Sopranos because the way it ended was just so. I fucking hated the ending. It was so terrible, and yeah, um, just cut to black. All these, these storylines left just hanging in the wind, and then the way that they like built up the relationship between like Tony and and Doctor Melfi for all those years for it just to end so unceremoniously of her like I don't want to see you anymore as a patient. He was like, okay, bye. Like I just. Oh, I hated that. I just hated it. I just, it started out so strong. And then like the last season or whatever, there was a lot of plot lines. I was just like, what are they doing? I I also feel like they didn't know what to do with the kids after a while. Like they didn't know what storylines to write for like Meadow and and Anthony Jr. So they just wrote them like shit storylines. And, um, and, like, the way that, like, they started to really develop, like, Carmela's character, like, they gave her her own agency, like, she kicked Tony out of the house, and she was, like, starting her own career, and then it just all went away. It just all went away, and then she was just back to being Mrs. Soprano, and I was like, well, this is not what I would want for her character, 
And I, I don't know, like, overall, like, yeah, I enjoyed the show a lot, but I just felt like the last two seasons were just so terrible. Uh, just not and not as enjoyable. It's probably a better way to say it. I, I've never seen all of the series. I've only seen bits and pieces, and then I, I saw that last episode. I just happened to be over at a friend's house when he was watching it. Okay. Um, I spoiled plot lines for you. I'm very sorry. No, it's okay. I, I, I will likely never go and watch it. So. Okay. <laughs> it's been this long without the Sopranos in my life. I can probably sure. go the rest of my life without it. Yeah, like at this point, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's fine. Um, well, who knows? Who knows? Maybe someday I'll be like, hey, I'm going to go back and I'm going to watch this show. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, it's 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 such a shame, like, James Gandolfini is gone um, because he, he did such a good job with that character. He did such a good job playing Tony Soprano. And, like, for me, growing up where I did in Queens, like, growing up near Howard Beach, which is where all the mafioso were, um, growing up in John Gotti's neighborhood, like, especially when I was a kid, like, the mafia was a big presence in our neighborhood. It was a big presence in the neighborhoods around us. So, like, to see a show about it, 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 it a lot of it definitely, you know, there are certain, you know, when I was growing up, there were certain stores you just never went into because you knew they were a front. And uh, but then at the same time, right, like every Fourth of July, um, John Gotti's guys always magically got a police permit to block off, you know, three blocks in our neighborhood and hold like a huge block party with fireworks. And the cops never came around, you know. So I mean, uh, it's. It's it's like a really it's it's a weird thing to grow up around the mafia and like never being a part of it, but just sort of seeing like what they can do in an in a neighborhood, um, you know, good. I, I guess maybe some good things, but like mostly bad things. Yeah, I, I, I think you had mentioned to me before in the past that, that you've never really been into like gangster type shows and movies because you because of the the way that because of the where you grew up that you were like yeah. you know this isn't entertaining fiction to me this was i i grew up seeing the realities of this and and it, it's not something that's romanticized to you because you understand the reality of it yeah and like i'm surprised i started watching the sopranos but like you know how it is you know you're in a relationship and your partner wants to show you something and you're like okay yeah sure i'll watch that with you because i i got him into game of thrones He'd never watched Game of Thrones. And I <clears throat> I was like, how have you never watched Game of Thrones? Let's let's watch it now. So we started watching the first season together. And then the next thing I knew, he was like, yeah, I, I jumped ahead. I, I finished season two. I'm in season three now. I'm like, oh, you, I guess you're really <laughs> liking it. He ended up watching all of it. And, you know, he would text me and be like, I don't like what they did with Rob Stark. I don't like what they did with this. I don't like what they did with that. And I'm like, I told you from the beginning, don't get attached to anybody in that show. <laughs> no shit. That. <laughs> <laughs> he watched Game of Thrones because I introduced it to him. And then I watched Sopranos because he's the show that he really likes. So I'm like, I'll watch it with you. Sure. Um but then now I've got him watching the great British bake off with me every week. Like he can't wait to watch it with me every week. Aww. So, you know, it, 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 right. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. He's been watching stuff like that. He would never watch otherwise though. So, yeah. It's, it's not, he, he, he got me into watching sons of anarchy. I watched that for the first time with him 
and um, ended up surprisingly really liking that show overall. On paper, I there was no way I was going to like that show. And then I watched it. And I'm like, wow, these characters are really engaging. They're so interesting. And I ended up really enjoying that that as well. I, I, I enjoyed that show a lot. Yeah, I've heard that's a good series, too. It's, it's, a, it's, it's another one that I've never seen, but I've I've always heard good things about it. Yeah, you know, what I think I loved a lot about it was like, so um, here I go again with my, oh, um, Katie Seagal is in it, right? Peg Bundy, um, which like I think that, that character is so iconic, Pe- Peg Bundy, that like people have a hard time seeing her as anything but that. But she's such a versatile actor. Like, she's such a good actor that I was so happy to see this, see her in this show. And, you know, it, her husband, he, 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 uh, created the show and he wrote that role for her. He wanted her in the show. Oh, nice. Um, She's a fantastic actor. I always love seeing her and stuff. Yeah. She's so, like, she really surprises you, like, with what she can do. Um, and uh yeah like like Charlie Hunnam is in it and um there's like there's a lot of big names in that show and and the characters are very like they're not one dimensional like it's a biker gang who also like does gun running like okay on paper that's not a show i'm going to watch or enjoy especially like with the culture of like a lot of you know, like motorcycle gangs, how they treat women and stuff like, you know, on paper, I'm like, no, thanks. That's not for me. I don't want to watch that. But then I ended up finding the characters so interesting and compelling that I just had to keep, like finish the show. Um, and it was, uh, it was just really, really good. Yeah. If you ever have a chance, if you're interested to start it, I, I think it's well worth watching. Um, One of the, one of the last shows that Lindsay and I watched together was the patient on Hulu. Did you catch any of that? No, but I've heard good things about it. Yeah, that was a wild ride. It's 10 episodes and they're like 20 minute episodes too. And oh. so it was a I thought it was a weird choice for them to release that week to week. Watch fucking it's 20 a, minutes of something and then wait a week. Right? <laughs> like, what it's is a, this? And it, is that the one where like it's a it's someone's being held hostage or something? Yeah, it's Steve Carell plays a psychotherapist and Donald Gleason plays a serial killer that doesn't want to be a serial killer anymore. And so he starts seeing this psychiatrist for it and then eventually kidnaps the psychiatrist and chains him up down in his basement and then tells him his secret and is like, I'm going to keep you here because I I need to stop doing this. And it is, it's wild all the way up until the end. And oh. incredible performances from both uh, uh, Donald Gleason and Steve Carell. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, those are two really, really good actors, like, um, who take roles that are so, like, you, you could watch Donald Gleason and he's playing, like, a regular dude and you believe him. And then he's playing, like, some wild character and you believe him. Like, like He's just one of those really engaging, charming people, I think, on the screen anyway. I don't know how he is in real life, but like on the screen, I think he plays like really interesting characters. Yeah, I agree. Also, like Steve Carell coming from doing like The Daily Show years ago and being like all comedy and doing stuff like um, The Weatherman and things like that. But then also taking like really serious roles. Um, What was the one that he did? Oh, gosh. The movie where his son was like a drug addict and he was like trying to help him get off drugs. 
Um, oh, my son Sam, I think. My son, I think that's what it was called. Like that movie, he was so compelling, and he's playing like a regular guy, and he's playing like it's a serious movie, and um, he was so good in that. He was so good in that. Or like yeah, he- I, I barely made it through the trailer. Of that, and yeah, I was like, like, "This is a hardcore tearjerker. Stay away, stay away." <laughs> it was no, it absolutely was. Like I, I watched it, and I, I recall there were many moments where I just was openly crying in that film of how emotional it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I run away from from that form of entertainment usually, <laughs> unless it like shows up on a list to review, and then I'm like, "Son of a bitch!" Here comes the tears. <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff, like. Yeah, it can be very hard to watch because, like, sometimes you just want to escape entertainment, right? Like, you just want to watch something silly and a puff, like something something funny and silly and a romp and a fantasy type thing that takes you out of the real world, you know. And then, you know, and then you watch something like that, and you're like, oh well, shit. Now I'm now now I'm just more depressed. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you feel like in a headspace to watch that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and usually it's like I'm I'm just never it's like most stuff I watch it's to be entertained and I'm not entertained by being sad. No, of course. Of course not. Yeah. Like yeah, I I get that. You have to kind of be you have, yeah. I I still have yet to watch and this is like ridiculous. I've never been able to watch it. I have not been able to watch the movie Up from Disney. Because Oh, that opening that opening act is very hard to get through and continue on. The first five minutes, and I watched it with my sister and one of my friends, and I was like, turn it off, I can't watch it, turn it off! And I cried for ten minutes, because it was such a sad opening. I have never been able to go back to it. Everyone's like, no, but after that, it's like, no, really? I'm like, no, not watching <laughs> Sorry, people. I can't watch up. It like, is a very cute adventure after that, but oh, I was like so traumatized. I was like, it's like it's like the opening of Fantasmo, right? Oh yes, yeah. Poor guy, fish guy. Wife is gone. All their little baby fish eggs, and one little egg survives. And I'm just like, well, this is very traumatic. This is a very difficult opening to a, movie, <laughs> a kids' movie. I think I watched that opening scene. It's it's more than an opening scene. That 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 whole first sad bit of you know telling the 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 story of oh I'm forgetting the guy's name. I know it's Ellie. I'm forgetting the other, but not important. When it, basically it it shows that whole thing. I'd seen that maybe three or four times. And it was like, I've never seen the rest of Up. And so when I finally got around to watching it, I fast forwarded through all that shit. And I started it afterwards. I was like, I'm not watching all that sad shit again. I'm very aware of what happens. You know, they meet, they fall in love, they have a wonderful long life together. And then she goes first and he's left by himself. And that's fucking heartbreaking and tragic. And it happens Every day to people all over the world. I, I don't need to see it again in my in the movie I'm watching. Though I get it. It's it's that's you know it's part of the human experience, and so it's one of those things where it can reach in and touch many different hearts because it is so you know common to the human experience. And and that's why you know those Pixar movies work is they're good at cutting to the heart of that and 
and getting to those feels. Mm-hmm. But yeah. whew, I don't want to watch it again. <laughs> That's yeah. for sure. Wally is a hard watch for me. Oh, Wally's such a beautiful movie. A gorgeous film. That one I was able to make through without sobbing uncontrollably. But yes, I um, that is a hard movie to watch. I would, I think I'd be hard pressed to go back to it. Oh yeah, the, yeah. The, there wasn't too long ago I did a an episode of Starcast where it was like a, a Pixar roundtable where I, I had several guests on and I had Aiden on also and. And we we talked about pretty much all of the Pixar movies. <laughs> it was wild. But there was a few of them where I was like, I have never seen this Pixar movie. And I know I should watch it because of this episode. But fuck it, I'm still not watching it. And so there's, I think there's still like four Pixar movies I haven't seen. And I just don't care to. Yeah. No, I, I hear that. I did listen to the episode with your son. And I, I remember I messaged you afterwards of how good it was. Like, He's such a natural. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's got the gift for Gab. (laughs) Oh, I love it, though. I thought he was so good. I was like, I want more episodes with Aiden. I want to hear him talk about other stuff that he loves. Like, (laughs) oh, God. But it's so nice that you can share, like, so many of your hobbies with your kids. Like, going to the MCU movies and now podcasting even. And, and, you know, that's something, like, so like when I was a kid, I didn't know this, but like my dad was super into comics. My dad was like a big Spider-Man fan. Like he loved Spider-Man. Oh, nice. Wonderful Spider-Man comics. I knew that growing up because my dad, you know, being the age that he was, was like, oh, my daughters aren't going to like comic books because comic books are for boys. And he never shared that love of comics with us. Um, it was years later as an adult when I got into comics and started reading all these stories that my dad was like, oh, yeah, I used to read all the Spider-Man comic books. And I was like, you did? Like, why didn't you ever tell me about it? Like, And in his mind, it was like, oh, because you were a girl and girls don't like that stuff. Like, and he, he meant it like in the most innocent possible way. Like he wasn't oh, yeah. like being misogynistic about it. It was just. In his mind, it was like, oh, comics are for boys. Like, girls don't like that stuff. And um, I, I'm, a, I'm a little like, I, I'm a little sad that we couldn't share that love longer. Because as an adult, my dad loved all the MCU films. He loved every single one of them. You know, and toward the end, like, it was hard for him to go to the theater. Um, so a lot of them he did watch at home. But he did get to see Endgame in the theater. And oh, I was nice. so excited for him that he got to see Endgame in the theater and have that big screen experience. Um, he loved it. He, he loved it. My mother, God bless her, does not like anything pop culture related. And, and <laughs> so we, we watched Infinity War at home when it got released, like, like, like you could buy it or, or like on VOD. And so we, you know, we, we bought him. We told our dad, hey, we're going to watch Infinity War. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's watch it. So we're in the living room and we're all set up. And, you know, we got the snacks and we're on the couch and the whole night. And my mom is like, I want to watch the movie too. Like she just wanted to experience it with us. And we were like, I mean, yeah, if you want to, but you're not going to know any of these characters. Like you might be bored. And she's like, no, no, I want to watch it. I want to watch it. So the movie 
starts out, who's that guy? Why is he wearing a cape? Well, now, who's this guy? What's he doing? And how do, what, what's the deal with this guy and that person? Why are they arguing? And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. And so we're trying to explain it to her. But there's so much backstory, right? <laughs> yeah, you're explaining 20-some movies at this point. <laughs> like, uh, there's a lot to explain. How do I explain why Iron Man and Captain America are not talking right now? How do I explain this in two minutes or less? I can't. And so she, my mom just gave up. She was like, oh, Aww. No. <laughs> it's just not her thing, right? It's just not her thing. And, and that that's totally fine you know she she's happy we're enjoying our thing it's just not her thing yeah i I gave my dad a few trade paperbacks a long time ago i was like i was like read these they're such great stories i think i gave him like saga the old guard and nail biter and i'm like i'm like every one of these is an incredible volume one enjoy and I think he said he got like a few ish, like maybe a few pages into the old guard. And he was like, I just felt like I was reading kids stories. I'm like, this is not children content. Every single book, one of these books <laughs> I gave you is TVMA. I'm like, like, yes, it is. It is artwork with, with like thought bubble captions and shit like that. But that's where the connection to kids media stops. Mm-hmm. Like these are, are legit uh, stories for adults. These are yeah like I, I, <laughs> but yeah it's, and so i was like i get it though i get it dad and i just took my books back and it's like if i if i got a novel for you i'll i'll, I'll recommend that instead but i tried you know it's one of those things that that so many people associate comic books with like children's media yes uh, the idea of like an adult comic is very foreign to them they're like Oh, but that's like what little kids read. Like kids read comic books, like not adults. And I think, um, yeah, I think people still. I think there are plenty of people who still look at it that way, and they see comics as like a a kids media and not something for adults to enjoy. Oh yeah, and and to every one of those people, I would like to just give them saga. <laughs> Be like, here, read this and tell me it's for children. <laughs> no. Saga's amazing. Like it, it really is. Um, I I know you've read this other one because I think you recommended it to me. Clean Room by Gail Simone. Actually, you bought it for yeah, me. Yeah, I was gonna say I think I bought the volume, the first volume for you. One for me. I remember you said it's music like gifts, and I love Gail Simone. I mean, yeah, I actually- Clean Room's incredible, and John Davis Hunt does the art for the first two volumes of it. It's just spectacular. Gorgeous. My my boyfriend just gave me for our anniversary. He got me the um. Oh, I have it right here. He got me the trade um or the collected Wonder Woman black and gold, um, which is like just collected Wonder Woman stories. Oh, sweet! All the artwork is in black and white and gold, um, and it's gorgeous. It's beautiful looking. Like every issue, it's like selected issues of like Wonder Woman stories, and so like different artists different writers but the the color palette is this black white and gold and um it's just it's gorgeous it's absolutely gorgeous and lord knows i'll read anything about wonder woman but like (laughs) um it's just so beautiful and um such a nice variety of like different writers and different artists like the artwork is really unique like some of them look more childish some of them look like classical drawings, like 
it's such a nice collection. I can't, I, I, I just flipped through it. Like I haven't really like cracked into read it yet, but like the artwork is just so, so beautiful. Like it's, it's a very thoughtful gift for, for a Wonder Woman fan as I am. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a really incredible book. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's very nice. It's just, yeah. I, 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 whenever I get like a new comic book or like a trade or whatever, the first thing I do is I always flip through the art. That's the, the, the number one thing I do is I look through the art first and then I'll go back and I'll start reading the story. But it's, it's, it's that art that always catches my eye first, like how it looks. Cause I feel like it sets the tone for the story before you even read it. Like the way that it's drawn and, and the color palette that they choose to use, like to me, it sets the tone for the story you're about to read. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just such a such a fun medium, like you know, just to read these stories with these gorgeous pictures, and you know, it's better than any film you could ever watch, right? Because you can see it all in your head, and and like nothing can ever compare to like how you imagine it. So, yeah, I just I I I, I love comics. Oh, I don't know. I'm so <laughs> glad I got into it. I'm glad I got into them. Even oh, if it's same. But yeah, I'm so glad I got into them. Yeah, I, I I need to catch up on them. I I got them piling up on my Kindle, and um, oh, I'm really looking forward. There's this new um Doug Wagner and Daniel Hilliard book coming out um in just a couple weeks here, uh, called uh, Plush. That I can't oh. wait. Did, like, did you ever read Plastic? I think I read the first trade of Plastic. Okay, yeah, that's all it was. It was just a mini series. Just one? Oh, did I read it then? Oh gosh, now I can't remember. Yeah, I, so plastic I, is the the serial I, killer that's in love with the the blow up sex doll. Yes, yes, I did read that. And yes. the the criminals kidnap the sex doll to force him yes. to kill people, and so then he goes on a rampage to get her back. Yes, yeah. I did. I did read that. Yeah, so but, Plastic's but, fucking incredible. And then they did a follow-up series that's in the same universe as Plastic. And that one was called Vinyl. And it was about all these different, like, like serial killers. And then this upcoming one called Plush is, like, the 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 third installment of, like, their Materials trilogy, mm-hmm. basically. And Plush is going to be about cannibalistic furries. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. I can't wait. I'm so excited. <laughs> gonna get another shirtless bear fighter story oh there is one that came out did you read the second one there was shirtless bear fighter 2 that dropped i I haven't read it yet it's one of those ones that's waiting for me to read on my kindle i well i'm so out of the loop apparently i didn't even realize it had dropped oh gosh now i gotta go find it um god i I haven't read any of it yet but i loved that first shirtless bear fighter so much so much (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> character shirtless bear fighter oh my gosh I, I dug out all those individual issues for Lindsay to read a while back i think it might have been last school year um, and she was like really i'm like you have to read it it's so good and i, I, she, I think she enjoyed it <laughs> enjoy it's not to enjoy i mean i, I was <laughs> like i so i got all i got all the issues individually as they came out because i had to read it as yeah, they came same out. And then I and then and then I bought the trade, of course. But then I took my my issue number one. I took it to C two E two one year, and I believe I got it signed by like the both the artist and the writer, and um and then somebody else who who worked on the book too. And they also, I think it was the same writer 
worked on The Weatherman, which was another comic that I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. I, rem- I read the first volume of The Weatherman and loved it. The Weatherman is great. The, the Weatherman is great. I believe it's the same author as Shirtless Bear Fighter. Like I- Jody Leop? Yeah, it is. It's the same. It's the same person. And I got to meet them in New York. They were at, they went to a, to a Midtown comics for a signing for the weatherman. And, um, so I had him sign my, my issue, my issue number one. And, you know, you know how it is. There's a line of people who want to meet the guy. You don't have a lot of time, whatever, but I did, you know, as he was signing, I was like, I just want to tell you, I love this first, first issue. And I love shirtless bear fighter. And he got such a big smile on his face and he was like, Oh, he got so excited that somebody mentioned it. And I, <laughs> I said, you have no idea. I love that. I love that comic. I love that story. I love that character. I want you to write a million more. He's like, I, I know. He's like, I've got ideas, but I don't have, I don't have time for everything. I'm like, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Shirtless bear fighter is my favorite type of silly humor. It's, oh. it's just so great. It's yeah. all the little jokes that they put in it is the, like one of my favorite things is like when, when the bad guys have him captured and they need to make him weak, they put a shirt on him. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Uh, then they have him tied to a chair with toilet paper. Cause he's so weak. He can't break out of it. Oh, how about, like, <laughs> naked most of the story and his dick is pixelated. Like yes. that. <laughs> That just slayed me. Like, but that that's kind of like that silly, funny humor that like not everybody gets, right? Because like I clearly remember like our friend Brian on PCL was like, that comic is not for me. I did not like it very much. <laughs> like, but it's it's like one of those things, right? Like it, it's humor is subjective and the things that you love, other people might be like, no, nah, that's not for me. But man, I could read I could read a hundred comics of Shirtless Bear Fighter and probably not get tired of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> oh so what's been i mean uh i guess we talked about this a little bit before we were recording but uh i guess tell people what's going on with picard cast yeah so we uh we covered season two of picard and then right after that um strange new worlds came out and we had so much fun talking about Picard and we were so excited for strange new worlds that Brooke and I decided to just keep the show going and we covered strange new worlds week to week. I'm so glad that we did because I absolutely loved that series. I mean, I, I mean, I'm a fan of pretty much all things Star Trek. There's a few things I haven't cared for, but like I I would put strange new worlds up in the, I don't want to get too crazy here, but like I put it up in the top 10 at least of my Star Trek stuff. Like I just thought it was such a great show. Um, and we're just waiting now for season three of Picard, which is coming out in February, I believe. And that's going to be um, the final season of the series, right? That is the final season. And if you are a Star Trek fan and you have been following Star Trek, if you've been following Picard season three, they dropped two huge things that are going to happen in season three. They are bringing back two characters that I was shocked. I was shocked at one of them. So they're okay. If you don't want to hear spoilers for card season three, skip ahead. Uh, but <laughs> if you've seen the the trailer, you know, but like, so they're bringing back lore, which is data's evil uh, Android brother. 
uh, who's he's apparently still around. Um, and so he's coming back, but they are bringing back Professor Moriarty from uh, um, the next generation. And, and Joe, I know I'm going to get really nerdy here, but like, do, do you, I don't, I, I know you're like sometimes a Star Trek guy, but like, do you know who Professor Moriarty was? I don't. The only Moriarty I know is Sherlock Holmes's nemesis. Okay. It's the same guy. So there was, there was an episode of Star Trek early on where they're on the holodeck and um, Data is trying to show that like he can solve a Sherlock Holmes type mystery and so they tell the computer to create a, a character capable of defeating Data. Not capable of defeating Sherlock Holmes, but capable of defeating Data. So the computer creates a hologram who basically is self-aware and is like, oh, uh, what what is this place? This is not like the London I know. And he becomes self-aware, takes over the ship as one does in Star Trek. And um, <laughs> nice. he shows up in another episode later on because they basically they promised him that they were going to try to find a way for him like to exist outside of the holodeck. Um, but they couldn't find a way. And he accidentally got like reactivated. And he was like all pissed. Cause he was like, I've been stuck in that, in that data bank for like, you know, all this time. And y'all haven't like figured out how I can live in the real world. Fuck you guys. I'm going to take over the ship again. And he does. Um, but they're bringing him back for Picard season three. I have no idea how they're doing this. Cause he is, still a hologram as far as I know. But um yeah, that's my like super nerdy Star Trek thing there for you. <laughs> I'm very excited. I saw the trailer and I gasped. I couldn't believe it. I can't wait for season three. It is the final season. They're reuniting like the whole next generation cast to be in it. Um like everybody is in it and it's very exciting. And I know it's gonna be like emotional for us Star Trek fans to say goodbye to these characters, but like Oh my gosh, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. So that's probably what you'll hear for Cardcast next when we come back for our card season three. <laughs> that sounds super exciting. Oh, it's exciting for me. I mean, I other people I'm sure are like, yawn, whatever, Star Trek. But like, uh, yeah, super exciting for me. <laughs> I like to see people getting excited about the things they enjoy. So that's great. I do too. Even if it's not my thing, I love seeing people being excited for their fandoms. Like, yeah, go go and be excited for that thing I know nothing about, but you love. Go do it. Like, yay. I'll cheer you on the whole time because, you know, what? who am I to yuck someone else's yum? If that's what you love, then go and do it. Like, and go enjoy it. And yeah, dress up like your favorite character. Why not? Life is short. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. That's one of my favorite things to see 2 e 2 is seeing people that are so into their fandoms that they're going to fucking dress up like it. And, you know, the cosplaying is just one of my favorite things to see. And because it's people, you know, literally wearing their fandom on their sleeve. Mm-hmm. I love it. Even if it's not like my fandom, but like if somebody clearly put effort into a costume, I love it. I I just I love seeing people being a part of their fandom in that special way. Uh, absolutely. And speaking of that, I really missed you at this at last year's C2E2. I miss everybody too. I it just didn't work out for me. My 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 financial situation was so up in the air with like being out of a job and not knowing if I was going to have another job and then oh for the sure one- and then you know a, a 3 day trip to to Chicago is not cheap. That's that's why every year I can only ever manage one day. I hear you. Like 
for me, coming from New York, like just to go one day doesn't make any sense. No, because to, you gotta catch a flight and all that shit, and catch a flight to go there for one day and then fly home. <laughs> yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> so, like, but next year, you know, now that I'm in like this new job and like not to toot my own horn, but like I'm making a lot more money now than I was before. So, like, a trip to Chicago is going to be like more than feasible like it's it's going to be very doable so i'm very excited because i haven't seen everybody since 2019 so no 2020 excuse me 2020 was right before the whole world went to shit so yeah i uh haven't seen everybody in like two years now so yeah i'm excited for next year i can't wait to go i i'm already looking at plane tickets and hotels and stuff so i i'm i'm ready Nice. Yeah. And they got it back in the spring again. So it's going to be, I think, March 31st and then through April 2nd. So that'll be cool. No, it's perfect timing. Cause I remember one year they had it like around Christmas. I think the year it came back. Yes. That was in 2021. I didn't go that year. What the hell? What the? That's like the worst time to have it. Yeah, no, it's pretty stupid. <laughs> like, focus on getting Christmas gifts and stuff. Like, there's no way I, I, I couldn't do both. I couldn't, like, no. No, like stuff, and then and then fly to Chicago for three days, and hotels, and Ubers, and eat out, and and all this. Like, no, there's just no way. So I know who has extra money to spend in December. That was just, I'm, I'm sure it had something to do with contracts and shit like that, but probably business, and it, business de- decisions behind the scenes. I mean, I'm sure people that could like drive to it, like like and like, drive home the same day or or stay with friends or whatever i'm sure it was like very feasible and at least you know somewhat doable for them. yeah if you're like, local to chicago probably not a big deal yeah yeah but like like so like even this year i didn't even go like to new york comic-con um it just it kind of snuck up on me i was like oh my god new york comic-con's like here and i forgot about it but like i don't know i'm still getting back into the whole being in buildings with big crowds and stuff so yeah I'm actually okay that I missed it this year. I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll probably go go next year for New York Comic Con. I haven't been there in a couple of years now, too. So I mean, it's right here that that I could take the train to. So, but yeah, I'm excited to get back into going to cons again. Yeah, because it didn't. I was only there for the Saturday at the convention, and it was the least busy Saturday I've ever been at the con for. Like it, it really, it didn't really feel like the Saturdays in the past, which was pretty nice. Well, yeah, no, I can see why it would be nicer because that 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 place gets jammed on a Saturday. Yeah, like um, not like I remember the first time I took Lens, we walked around for a little bit. And I'm like, do you want to just go back to the hotel room? She's like, fuck yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, I know, it's very overwhelming. You, you couldn't even go down Artist Alley. Like, you, like there was no. In and, and it's always like there was still some of the some of those aisles that were like that on Saturday where it's like, there's so many people waiting in line that it's like to walk through this aisle. You're like cutting through like 25 lines just because people are just queued up everywhere. And yeah, but um, yeah, it was, I, I don't, I, it was wild. Like I, I, uh, I, it was the first time going to uh C2E2 where I like parked a ways away. I think I texted you that morning that that I had to walk like 20 blocks and I like only made it like a few blocks before there was human shit on the sidewalk. And I was like, oh, I got to love being in the city. (laughs) Did I lose you? 
I was on mute. I was on oh, mute. there you go. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I, yeah, human shit on the sidewalk story. Probably going to leave for that one. <laughs> no, no. I remember that. Like, it's just as much as I love living in New York City, as much as I, I love like everything about the city, at the same time, it is exhausting being around so many people. Like, and then being around like sometimes just the worst of people. Like, just, it is exhausting. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can imagine. I, I'm not into crowds on that level. And, you know, I've, I, I, I remember because I parked, like, I parked in Chinatown. And so I had several blocks to walk to get to McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Or is that what it is? McCarthy Place? Um, is it like, um, McCarthy? Oh, shit. I can't remember what it's called. (laughs) I was going to say, I know I'm, I know I'm getting it wrong. McCormick Place. McCormick. There you (laughs) go. It's like McCarthy. (laughs) It's the communist scare. Um, (laughs) but yeah, so it was like several blocks to get there. And I walked past like several homeless people Mm -hmm. or, you know, unhoused, whatever you're supposed to say. People just hanging out on the sidewalk, just begging for change. And I go walking by with my big hiking backpack on and shit. And I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing? (laughs) But yeah, as beautiful as as Chicago looked, especially at night when we were up on like the the 20-something floor, you know, it looked incredible. But to actually be down there on the street in it, I'm like, a very different experience. Um, it, it always is, though. Like, you know, when, when you see New York from like a height and you see, look down, you see all the lights and you see the bridges all lit up. Like, it looks gorgeous and it looks beautiful, especially at night. But then when you're walking around, it's a story. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a horror show in places and... And a, and a tragedy in other places, and it's you'd th- you'd think with so much humanity crushed together, that everybody would be taken care of, and and instead, it's like so much humanity crushed together. It's like it's easier than ever to let people fall through the cracks. Kind of sad. Yeah, it's it is true. Like when I went to when I went to San Francisco for the first time, I was I was shocked at how many how many people I saw on the on the street and I was like I asked my friends like don't you all have like like aren't there places that they can go and and they were like no we don't have any shelters in San Francisco and I was like are you kidding me no shelters since I mean I don't know if that's changed since I've been there but I was just in shock over that like a huge city like this and you have like a place for people who don't have anywhere to go to be safe. It just seemed completely unreasonable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's, it's one of those things where God, I mean like the, the, the problem just seems so huge and overwhelming and you think like, well, what can I do? Like, I'm just like this regular person, but then, if everybody who felt that way did something and we did it together, like we could potentially make a real change, but it just seems like such a daunting task. Like, how do I even start? How do I, how do I do this? And, and I mean, 
God knows I don't have the solution. I I don't know how to fix the infrastructure problem. <laughs> That's where I always get with it, too. It's like I get to the point where I recognize it's a terrible problem. It's currently being handled very poorly. And no, I have no suggestions other than empathy. You yeah, know. Exactly. Like, I don't know. Like, I, it's it's one of those things where, like, you know, I guess I guess I, I try to do my part. Like, when I'm. When I go to work in the morning and I'm waiting at the coffee cart, like to get my bagel and my coffee, you know, sometimes I'll see people there who are asking like for money or asking for food and I'll, I'll buy them food. Like if somebody's I'm, I'm hungry, can you please buy me something to eat? I'll buy them something to eat. Of course I will. Like, you know, I'll buy you a bagel and coffee. Like that won't solve your problem, but at least you won't be hungry for a little while. Like I'll do what I can, but like, I don't know how to fix the problem. I don't know how to make it so that nobody's ever hungry. I don't know how to fix it. And it's just, it's such a huge problem. Like, I don't know. We don't know how to fix the infrastructure. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, for sure, it's, it's gotta be a multi-layered approach too, where it's like, you need to address mental illness. Sure. You, need, you need to address, you know, some like some sort of some sort of assistance program that that legitimately helps people and doesn't just go to one of those charities where like ninety percent of the the money coming in goes to paying its staff and ten percent goes to the actual what? charity. It's like there's so many there's so many different layers where it's like the 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 horrible parts of human nature cancel out the good empathy of of people trying to make effective change because there's these other people who come in and can put on a face of oh we're here to help and it's like it looks like you're just here to enrich yourselves but yes you know you do you generally the same sort of people that believe in a blue-eyed honky jesus right (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) yeah I love that. That is that is pretty funny. <laughs> like the blue-eyed white Jesus is is real in your hearts, children, if you believe it. And it's like, nah, I'm pretty sure he'd have been Middle Eastern. He's from that part of the world. And they're like, you shut the fuck up. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> your liberal commie ass. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I don't know. <laughs> How dare we present anything but the narrative that we've all been fed our entire lives? There's no way it could ever be different because we all grew up hearing about the first thanksgiving right joe (laughs) (laughs) we've all heard the peanuts tell the story (laughs) Uh, for some reason i think their version might be a little whitewashed but yeah i i I don't know why but you know you might be right so it's (laughs) you know on uh, there's a book out there I've talked about this in other podcasts too. There's a book out there. It was written as like a, it was written by, I have no idea who, I can't remember who wrote it, but it was written by a person who like wrote it as like a textbook for a college course. And it it was so hugely popular that they actually released it like as a, as like a nonfiction book. And it's called lies. My teacher told me, and they actually released a volume too. And this book blew my mind. It blew my mind because it sort of takes every single story that we all grew up hearing in school about 
Christopher Columbus and the first Thanksgiving and all kinds of things. And it just presents it of like, this is what we were taught in school, but here's the real story. And that book was so enlightening to me as like, a, I, I was, I was very young when I read it. I was like in my twenties and I didn't know anything like, and so reading this book and like just having all of my sort of like accepted ideas and, um, stereotypes and accepted, um, um, narratives being questioned and, and being not even just questioned, but being, um, disproven with like facts. It was so eye opening for me at a young age. And I was so glad I read it at that age. Cause it really, it definitely started me down my path of like, you know, fuck the patriarchy. So <laughs> that sounds like a fascinating book. Oh, it's absolutely fascinating. Um, yeah, if you can ever find it, it's it's lies my teacher told me, and it's such a good book, and it's so well written. It, it's definitely it presented as a like a nonfiction, like like a textbook. That's how it was written, like as a textbook. And um, oh gosh, I read that book cover to cover. And I, 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 it just, it really opened my eyes to a lot of like the things that I had grown up thinking were a hundred percent true, but then having it challenged and having it disproven, it just, yeah, it was a really great experience to read that at, at a young age. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that one out. Cause that, that sounds incredible. <laughs> I love that. I, I know. I just like stories like that too, where it's like, Hey, this is what the mainstream <laughs> It version of this is here's what really happened and oh yeah 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 <laughs> i mean I, uh, you know it's it's one of those things where it's like especially if you grow up very insulated and very insular and you only know living in one place and you only know people who look like you and people who have the same um background is you or like you're not exposed to other things in this world like it's very easy to fall into that. Well, this is how it happened because it's what everybody thinks or everybody believes. But then when you start meeting other people and hearing other ideas and people from other countries, other cultures, other backgrounds, and it just opens up your eyes and you're like, Oh my God, there's so much more out here than just what I was raised with. Um, I think everybody kind of has to have that moment where they become more enlightened but I don't think enough people have had that moment no, either. Like, no. I think there's plenty of people that like either choose to remain ignorant or they're just comfortable in their ignorance and, and are just like, well, this is how everybody in my small town feels this way and thinks this way and votes this way and acts this way. Therefore, this is the only way. And it's so not true. Like there's so much more out there. Yeah. Because, people need yeah. to be open to like, evolving on like a personal level and on a thought level and yeah, yeah it's it's is if you if you never leave your small little pocket of the world it's it's not surprising if you don't have a very worldly view mm -hmm. and, and so many people look at it at reading like it's you're asking them to shoot poison and it's like no i'm asking you to <laughs> i'm asking you to learn something i don't like to read i'm like okay i get that that's cool or, you know, some people even, you know, struggle with reading and stuff like that. But it's like, well, we live in an age now where you can get all sorts of shit on audiobook. Exactly. So, you know, there's there's really no excuse anymore. You can have a fucking, you can have your phone read it out loud to you. 100%. I have a very good friend who she always struggled with, 
she she always struggled with with reading because it it um she suffered from like a little like a like a little bit of like maybe a a a learning disorder or like um um maybe like slightly dyslexic so reading was always very difficult for her but she's the same age as me right so we grew up in a time where you didn't have like audiobooks like maybe like books on tape um which were like expensive to buy at the time but like now through audible and all that stuff she has become like the most voracious reader and she listens to all of her books and she absorbs it like so much better in a way that she never would have if she had to sit down with a book and read the read the printed page like she would have struggled with that but it's opened her up to like reading so many things and reading so many authors like maybe she would never have read because oh that's kind of intimidating but now it's not anymore because it's like listening to a story so yeah there's like no excuse out there like just get audible and uh listen to a book and learn something expand your horizons <laughs> that's what it's all about <laughs> oh i've had the best time talking with you tonight rebecca oh same for me thank you for having me on oh this you're was- so welcome this was a great conversation. <laughs> I always have a great time talking with you. Um, Same here. I always have a very good time talking to you as well. <laughs> so yeah, I'll let you uh, like, where can people find you at and, and all that? Yeah. Um, uh, so you can hear me on Picard cast with our good friend, Brooke, who we talk about Star Trek every week. Um, so, you know, you can go back and listen to all of our episodes. If you like, like some Star Trek content, we have a couple of, we have, we have a series that we did called Personal Logs, where we were in between um, Picard season one and two. And so we had different people on and they got to pick their favorite Star Trek show, uh, or excuse me, episode or movie. And we talked about it um, and it was a lot of fun to hear people's favorite Star Trek thing and why it was their favorite Star Trek thing. And um so yeah, you can hear me on Picard Cast, and we'll be back in February for Picard season three. And then uh, I'm on the social medias. I'm on Twitter for now until it explodes, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you can usually find me under Dollface Rebecca, and that's Rebecca with a K A H, not a C C A. Right on. And um, yeah, might not have a new episode next week, uh, Thanksgiving weekend, and all that. Uh, so probably catch the week after that. Um, and thank you all very much for listening until next time. This has been Starkcast.